0: You are listening to Isabella Free Radio, a Jcast Network podcast. For more
1: information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the programs of the Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center, please visit isabellafriedman.org.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Isabella Free Radio. I'm your host, David Weisberg. And we're broadcasting live from the beautiful Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center in Falls Village, Connecticut, a place for uh, Jewish exploration and experimentation and uh, an opportunity uh, often to look at uh, Judaism and Jewish life uh, through new and different lenses. Uh, And that's one of the things that's happening here this uh, coming August 10th through 12th where Isabella Friedman will be hosting for the first time ever a retreat called People of the Comic Book, an exploration of the connection between Jews and comic books. And that's the topic of our broadcast today, which we're entitling Mad Magazine's Al Jaffe and Other Jewish Comic Book Heroes. And I'm really pleased and honored to be joined by a a really wonderful panel of three guests today, uh, Ari Kaplan, Danny Figueroa, and uh, not to mention the legendary Al Jaffe. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Great. Good, good. Well, let, 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 me, let me introduce everybody uh, very quickly. I know you guys know each other, but I'll introduce you to our listening audience. Uh, Danny Fingeroth got his start in the comics business in
1: 1974. Nope, That's not true. Not true. No, don't believe Wikipedia. It's totally You're, wrong.
2: Correct
1: me, Danny. When did you get your start in the comic 77 yeah.
2: Mm, 77, yeah. 77. So yeah, and I didn't start at Atlas Comics. So you'll, you'll correct
1: me the okay. whole way through? <laughs> uh, um, if you're going by the Wikipedia page, yeah.
2: But what what we can say is is Danny was uh, you were an editor at Marvel Comics yes uh, edited Spider Man yes. titles um, you left Marvel in 1995 to become the editor in chief at Virtual Comics that's I correct I understand mm-hmm. you've taught comics and uh, comic writing at New York University the New School and Media Bistro uh, Danny is the author among other uh, great works of uh, Disguised as Clark Kent. Jews, Comics, and the Creation of the Superhero. And he serves on the board of advisors of the New York-based Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art and on the board of directors of the Institute for Comic Studies. Uh, That's uh, Danny Fingeroth.
3: Hello.
2: (laughs) Yay. Ari Kaplan is a comedian, Mad Magazine writer, and author of the new comic book miniseries Speed Racer Chronicles of the Racer. His other comic book credits oh. with the DC, mhm. His other oh, comic no,
0: I was just going to say it's not exactly new it's it's from 4 years ago but I didn't know if you were getting your uh, information on me from from Wikipedia as well but I, I didn't want to be no, no, rude. I'm
2: not. Well, I'll say this. Ari is the, is the author of From Crack Out to Krypton Jews and Comic Books.
1: I haven't fun yet, David,
2: which is uh yeah absolutely. <laughs> which uh which uh is an inspiration for this retreat. So we're pleased to have Ari. Thank on. you. And last but not least uh, Al Jaffe. Uh, who is uh, an award-winning, legendary cartoonist best known for his work with Mad Magazine, uh, including his trademark feature, The Mad Folden, which has appeared in almost every issue since 1964. Um, uh, Al has been honored by Rubens Award as Cartoonist of the Year. New Yorker cartoonist Al Ross said Al Jaffe is one of the greatest cartoonists of all time, and uh, Charles Schultz said Al can cartoon anything. And the one thing I know, Al, is... Uh, uh, if you give me a snappy answer, I'll assume that I've asked you a stupid question. No um, snappy
3: answers, no. <laughs> I take these programs seriously. I, know.
2: <laughs> I hope so, and I'll try not I'll try not to ask any stupid questions. You caught Al during his no comedy week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so let me start out with
2: a, with a general question that I'll throw out to the three of you, and I'll remind our uh, listeners. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like to send in, that you can do that through the form that's uh, right on the Isabella Friedman Isabella Free Radio page on the website. So the question I want to ask, uh, open up to the three of you, is you know of course we're we're having this broadcast because of Isabella Friedman's upcoming retreat, People of the Comic Book, focusing on the connections between Jews and comic books. So I want to start ask by asking the three of you. Is this just something that we've contrived for the purpose of, of holding a retreat, and that you've contrived for the purpose of, of writing some books, or is there really a special relationship between Jews and comic books?
3: I think. I think. Wow. I think I could I could fill fill you in on a little bit of that. Sure. Because um, I I went into comic books uh, pretty close to uh, you know the beginning of it. Um, I. I started working in comics in 1941, and uh, I think the comic book came out in 1933, so uh, that was pretty close. Now, when I, the Jewish aspect of it uh, starts with the fact that uh, anti Semitism was uh, fairly uh, prevalent in, in the United States and other parts of the world, I guess fueled by the Nazi movements, and uh, but uh, it was very difficult for artists and writers to to get work in what was essentially a uh, non non-Jewish advertising agencies, uh, non-Jewish publications of all sorts, and uh, uh, along came Max Gaines, uh, the father of Bill Gaines, who became the publisher of MAD. And Max Gaines had a hand in creating the comic book industry. He was a printing salesman, and uh, his printing presses were uh, were lying dormant, so he got the notion maybe uh, to, you know, the Sunday funnies were very popular, so he went to the syndicates, got permission to use the ones that they already had done, and put them out as comic books, and of course, uh, it just caught on. And other Jewish uh, entrepreneurs in it, uh, entered into the publishing business uh, Donenfeld and uh, many, many others. And uh, the point of what, everything I'm, of all this background, is that it, it wasn't an anti Semitic source of work. Uh, you could go to a, uh, a Gaines uh, 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 EC Comics, or uh, you know, or, or uh, to Martin Goodman's Timely Comics, and various other public publications that were uh, Jewish-owned, and you wouldn't be rejected. So um, that, that's how I felt. Uh, the Jewish influence was strong. And then of course, along came people like, um, Siegel and Schuster and Bob Kane and so many, and, um, uh, finger, you know, great writer, Bill finger. And so there were quite a, it was, uh, it was an opportunity for Jewish talent, um, to, to shine. And, uh, It doesn't mean that it was exclusively Jewish. There were many brilliant uh, non-Jewish people, but uh, Jack Kirby was Jewish. Stan Lee was Jewish. You know, you can go on and on. And how about Danny? Um, Well, uh,
1: I mean, I think I think the kind of the topic of the weekend would not have been possible uh, in 1941. You know, a there was you know the, the Uh, Comics that had just started and the the aim of of all these uh, young Jewish uh, people who Came into the business as really as teenagers uh, or people or or kids in the in in their early 20s You know my understanding is that they wanted to create anything but Jewish material the whole point was to create all American um, uh, Stories and heroes that would have the most possible uh, widespread appeal, but I think as we look back we can sort of see patterns, uh you know, stories about immigrants, Superman is the ultimate immigrant uh, from beyond um you know, you can tie Batman in uh to uh, certain echoes of uh, Kristallnacht, you know, but it's really it's it's almost it, it's what it's it, it certainly if you told the people uh, making the stories back then, and Al can correct me if I'm wrong, but that they were making stories with Jewish content, they would have torn up the stories and started a new one they their 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 last in, intention was to make stories uh with jewish uh specifically Jewish content. There may have been uh a feeling of uh Joe Simon and uh, Jack Kirby, who were created Captain America, talk about uh you know using uh that the character as um anti nazi um uh, um, point of view, and as uh, and as a way of helping to uh, advocate for uh, American entry into uh, World War II, uh, but in, you know, in general, uh, it's what we see looking back. We see themes and threads, and and common uh, myth systems. Um, so that's you know that that's my take on it, and my impression, which I think is similar to Ari's, but he could tell me if I'm uh, totally uh, wrong about him. How how dare you, sir! I know. (laughs) We're all being so serious, Al. You I know. I know. No, 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 kidding. By the um, way, Al Al, has missed his calling as a rabbi. By the way, you know. I mean, that voice is just. uh, You know, you 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 could have
3: filled you could have filled the shuls uh, week (laughs) after week Uh, out. Well, uh, definitely. I I I I didn't mean to imply by. you know, st- uh, saying all the publishers were Jewish, blah, blah, blah. Well, essentially what I was saying was that, uh, uh, you know, the the Jewish community was bursting with talent, and uh, were, but having doors slammed in their faces. And uh, so I remember it as a teenager. I, I wanted to do illustrations for advertising and other kinds of and, – and then – you know, there were people who wanted to apply to uh, uh, animation places like Disney and uh, uh, the Mighty Mouse place. And uh, the whisper was that, you know, they have a couple of Jews and that's it. So uh, what all I was really saying about uh, the st- beginnings of the comic book business that that I knew was that there was opportunity and uh, for young kids to go in and start making a living. But the subject matter wasn't Jewish. Um, I mean, I, I was doing uh, uh, Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal, if you pardon the pig part. <laughs> but uh,
1: I don't know if Seal's kosher either, Al. <laughs> <laughs> no, Seal.
3: Well, in any case, uh, these little animals were were essentially supposed to be Disney-like. And uh, in order to... Uh, but the, the war fever was already on the way. And uh, so I had Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal fighting, you know, Nazi U-boats coming up to the Arctic and stuff like that. And at, when I worked in Eisner studio, uh, you know, Dave Berg was there and... Uh, uh, we did anti-Japanese and anti-German and you know anti anything that we we were probably going to be fighting shortly.
1: And if you wanted to know more about Will Eisner, don't don't take the word of somebody like Al who knew him. Take the word of somebody like me who met him like five times <laughs> and uh, and is giving a talk on him at the retreat. So uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I did as well.
0: I, I um I, I I probably knew him as, as about as much as, as Danny did. I uh, if I. Can I uh, it, sort okay. of, like, interject? Expand, you, you set uh, up, uh, Ari. Okay,
1: Al, what were you saying? Hey, please. Ari, please, you have been but,
0: but, uncharacteristically but, silent. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I got, finally, I get to talk. Good God. Anyway, um, okay. So, yeah, if I could expand a little bit on, on what uh, what Al and Danny have said. It's interesting because I, I came to all this just i had the one home court advantage uh, that i had. i don 't know if even know if I'm using that term correctly it's a sports term i don't know um, the one The one advantage that I did have is that I was a mad magazine writer when I first started writing for Krakow out of and being a mad writer, I was like well the, I'm going to go to some of the folks at mad who who happen to be Jewish and see if if they know something about this subject and one uh, one of the first people I interviewed was Al the sort of Get the scoop on what it was like being in the early comics industry, and Al's really kind of talked about a lot of the same things that that he told me. But um, you know, what was interesting was I heard a similar story when I talked to Will Eisner, and a similar story when I talked to Stan Lee, and when I talked to you know Jerry Robinson and Joe Kubert, and um, that was that. Yeah, like like Al says, there there was so much anti-Semitism in, in other fields, and and comic books just didn't have that. So. If you were trying to make it in a more lucrative field like advertising, or you know, or new newspaper strips uh, and in those days, and you couldn't because of uh, any kind of anti-Semitic quotas, you had a home in, in in comic books. Right. But the other thing, yeah. But the other thing that I'd like to say is that um, since then, uh, there actually have been quite a few. Uh, I guess you could say Jewish-themed stories and characters. Um, you know what's what's interesting about that is, like like Al said, there really weren't any in those days. And you know they, they had these characters fighting Nazis. When I wrote from Crack Out of Krypton, I talked to Peter Cooper, who Al knows, and who draws and writes Spy vs. Spy each month. And Peter said, "Well, you know, I always thought of." Um, captain america as being a sort of subtextually jewish character because he's kind of this jewish power fantasy and this weak kid who gets a shot in the arm becomes really strong and uses that power to fight nazis and you could say well that's what everyone in america wanted to do except isolationists i guess but you know you could say what's what's particularly jewish about that but and maybe you'd be right um, it is more like a general American kid
3: power fantasy. Well, well it was, a, uh, excuse me, but... Uh, sure. It was, essentially, it was introdu- introducing the golem. Right, right. They, all, all of these things were the, the fantasy that the Jewish people had centuries and centuries ago about some mighty superhero, uh who would come along and end their misery. And the golem was very popular. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid living in a Shtetl in Lithuania, and he was our superhero. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, whenever we were getting beat up by some Russian kid uh, or Polish kid, uh, we looked to the sky and hoped that the golem would arrive.
1: That's really interesting, Al, because I think think by my generation – you know it, it, that the 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 primacy of that golem myth was not um, you know was not so strong. I went to a yeshiva for uh, eight years until uh, they had enough of me, and um, <laughs> and I, I don't remember that being you know a major. You know, I remember the of course the Bible stories, the Talmud uh, text, and so on, but the you know the golem. Um, I think maybe yeah maybe in America or maybe just in the circles that I. Uh, uh, hung around in well, was I, not I, was not a big thing, but I but I, I but I but it makes it's interesting and it makes a lot of sense that it would be so such a powerful. Well, in
3: you know, more primitive society, uh, you, you know this shtetl that I lived in, uh, didn't have comic books, didn't have oh books. <laughs> the only books that were available were prayer books. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh And there was there were no publications. Hello.
1: Yeah. that's... Uh, yeah. I, 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 I can't. I'll just ignore it. I'm sorry. My my my. That, ignore it. It'll go away. <laughs> uh, well, in any keep case, keep going.
2: Uh, well, I'll ask this. I'll ask this question. As all right. I, I'm
1: gonna. I'm gonna have to. You know, if I get disconnected, I'll call back. I, okay. I have to
2: get rid of this. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I'll ask this as I'm looking at the uh, at the golden figurine that's sitting uh, on my desk because um, you talked about you know, I, Jews being able to get involved in the comic book industry because that's where they could get involved. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Harry wrote in Crack Out of Krypton that the story of Jews' involvement in comic books is a reflection of Jews' changing status in American society. And so you talk beyond yeah. uh, the getting involved just because you could get involved to how right. it becomes a, like a string that follows uh, the status of Jews.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit uh, linear. I, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit, uh, and that actually has to do a lot with the golem. Um, for example, you know, I, I remember I actually did go to a modern orthodox school as well growing up, and I remember when I was a kid and I first read, you know, the novel Frankenstein, and I heard in school that, that, it was, that, it was, that there was a rumor that it was inspired by the golem, that Mary Shelley's book Frankenstein was inspired by the story of the golem. And I thought that was cool because I thought, oh, we have our own monsters. You know, um, whereas that doesn't get that much publicity—that that there's Jewish folklore and Jewish monsters out there, um, and that there's these these sort of super characters that come from from Jewish folklore. Uh, but and what that has to do with this is that you know when in the 30s and 40s, when comics were first, when the comics industry was first being invented, there were any overtly Jewish characters, because you just didn't talk about that kind of stuff. For sort of the same reason that there's so few Jewish characters in movies and early television in in the, the 40s and 50s.
1: Um, or, or, they were code,
0: or they were coded characters, you know. They, or they were coded, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. There were there were sort of subtextually Jewish characters, which is something that I deal with in, in from Crack Out of Krypton. I know Danny deals with it, too. And, you know, yeah, there were these characters that you sort of had to read between the lines. Just like there the were those sort of characters who were who were kind of placeholders for other other ethnicities as well and other minorities um in in popular media in those days but um there uh in in these days you actually do have quite a few jewish characters at, at dc and marvel and the other the other comics companies even even myself as a comic book writer, you know, I, I wrote a Superman story a couple of years ago called Man of Snow for for DC, and it's Superman fights a golem, and it's a snow golem because it takes place during the winter holidays, and it's it's more festive that way, as one of the characters says. But you know, but it's a very obviously a golem. It has the Hebrew word Emmet written on his forehead, and it's and it's one of the characters does call it a golem, and you can you can do that these days, whereas you couldn't do it then. You know, I wrote a Hanukkah themed uh, Simpsons. Comic story for the one of the Bongo Comics uh, Simpsons title, Simpsons Winter Wingding, uh, a few years ago, and again, this is something that's pretty common these days that you couldn't that that you couldn't do in the early days, but these days it's very much embraced, and, and it's just a byproduct of the fact that that diversity and multiculturalism is more is much more embraced. Um, I to, can I
1: jump in here a second, mm-hmm? and then I want to kick it to yeah. oh, That um, you know, I, I think we're neglecting sort of a whole school of comics like mouse and every you know and uh and, and um all, all the you know the so-called graphic novels Eisner's whole the the Eisner's work for the last 30 years of his life was uh you know a contract with god and on It was, mm-hmm. was all about the Jewish American experience so i think i think to just confine it to superheroes is not the what the weekend is about and it's also sure. you know ignoring uh, an important uh a piece of the of, of the whole Jewish, you know, the the idea that there could be a story like Mouse that is taught in virtually, you know, every uh, city, you know, if not every school in America, you know, is is amazing that a story that Jewish in content, um, or even Harvey Picard's work, which is very Jewish. uh, You know, there's a whole whole thriving school of non-superhero and yet uh, popular and well-known uh, Jewish um, graphic novels. I want to kick back to Al, just about Mad Magazine's whole right. role in in so kind look, of introducing like Jewish
2: got, uh,
1: themes into into it, culture.
2: It, it looks like we've lost Al temporarily. So Did we lose he'll, Al? He'll
1: join us. Al. Call. Uh oh. like Okay, Al. Awesome. I'll kick it. Here's here's to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I so my first, should I, should, him I him should I do him?
2: an Al um, impression? I hope Is that I wouldn't insult that... him with a stupid question. Um, okay. So, <laughs> hopefully he'll be back with us soon. So Danny, let me let me ask you. Um <laughs> well, Let me ask you, you. know, how how do you believe as as an editor and a writer, how did your Jewish sensibilities influence your work at Marvel?
1: Ah, uh, boy, that's um. Yeah, I mean it, it influences my sensibilities as a person. Since you know, I've I've you know, I'm at, you know, I'm from a uh, fairly traditional Jewish background, although you wouldn't really know it, but uh you know, my father was a cantor and uh you know, so I so I have this sort of you know, i was, I was although although I'd say half the people at working at Marvel when I was working there were Jewish, I was the only one who would know like it was circus, you know, it was uh mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Russia Shunningham Kipper everybody had down, you know. But uh, I was the only one who said, Oh, it's many at today, you know uh uh, <laughs> you know, um so I mean I I think it, it 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 made me, you know, sensitive to issues of you know, a possible uh unawares anti Semitism in the comics or uh, or prejudice of any kind. You know, I got you know, those are probably some of my most difficult uh Battles I fought when someone would think they were doing something innocuous or even positive, and I would say, uh, you know, um, you know, I don't want to be. Uh, I, hate, I hate the term politically correct, it's so generally abused. But you know, I like, you know, I don't want to be like overly idealistic or 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 or, uh, or rain on your parade. But uh, you know, having this, and I know, and I know that comics and cartooning deals in caricature and broad stroke statements. So it's a it, it's a tough thing. But, I mean, there was one very intent, well-intentioned character, and I this you know, a character named Moon Knight, who, um, you know, I know the uh, writer who created it, and then he's a totally unprejudiced guy. Literally, some of his best friends are Jewish. He's very, you know, he's not a prejudiced person, but he somehow, he made a character who was Jewish who also had been a mercenary who, you know, Basically, was a soldier for hire. You know, had this like really dark, bloody background, and now was making up for it. And and I always thought, you know, well, gee, I I wonder if that's doing, uh, you know, the Jews a favor to have, you know, like one of the few at that time Jewish identified uh, superheroes, you know, have that background of someone who would do anything for money. You know, right? Can I can I play Devil's Advocate there though? Play away about that character. Play away. Sure. Sure.
0: Okay. Because to me, me thinking, look. I always knew that Moon Knight was Jewish too, and to me, having him be a mercenary meant that he was a kind of a, like, not exactly the, hey, let me do your taxes kind of
1: Jew, but the more like, <laughs> like,
0: a hardcore, deadly, kick ass kind of Jew, and that was kind of like, sort of like Kitty Pride or Magneto. Well, no, I don't
1: know, but, but a mercenary is somebody who literally will hire himself out to the highest bidder, and, you know, I mean, I think it's different than Kitty Pryde. Well, but. You know, but Danny, sorry. any any
0: occupation you do for money. So, think about it. Okay. You know? Well,
1: this one involves no, I, this one I see what you are saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um any Anyway, so uh, you know, there were, there were various times. Um and I also was and just to get back to your question, I mean, I was very fond of a character named Dominic Fortune who um you know, who uh, who Howard Chaykin, uh uh created, who you know, whose real name was David Fortune of and uh, he was in the Lower East Side, you know. But he had this identity as a, as like a pre-superhero, quote-unquote, swashbuckler. Um, and then Jam Dematis expanded that. That you know, he brought him like in. He, Hello. He, 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 uh, he lived in the 30s. Al, you there? Oh, we got Al back. Al. I, I got cut off.
2: uh Oh, we got you back. We got
1: you back. Okay. So, okay. Anyway, so I'll finish up quickly. Uh, so uh, so that character was uh, I liked that he was a you know a Jewish swashbuckler in the 30s, uh, kind of with a kind of a uh, uh, you know Italian or a Roman name of some kind. That he was really just Davy Fortune off. And then I liked that he was brought back as the uh, the Alticocher, uh Jewish uh, superhero. So I did a lot of things with, with the Dominic Fortune in stories I wrote over the years because I, I always found that. Uh, an intriguing uh, character.
2: Right. right. So, Al, I'm glad we have you back. I, uh, I wanted to ask you as I was reading your biography, um, you had talked about the role that, that the funnies played in your life, particularly when uh, at the point in time when you were kind of being moved back and forth between the United States and, and Lithuania, and what a great connection this was to your home and to your, father's and, to your father. And I wanted to uh, see if you could tell us a little bit more about that and the role it played in your life as a child.
3: Uh, It uh, it was significant because uh, I I spent the better part of um, well about five years out of six in Lithuania from the age of six to the age of twelve. During that time, I I lived in a shtetl that was uh, the Jewish community was essentially a religious community and. uh, there were um, there all all the entertainments and all the holidays and all the uh social events were more or less built around uh, religious holidays or religious events and so there were there was no um, nothing uh the only humor were some of the funny stories the the older people would be telling License to peddle potatoes at the town square, you know that kind of thing. But uh, there was nothing really lighthearted. And uh, my father used to roll up about six months worth of uh, funnies from the newspapers, dailies and Sundays, so that and ship it to us, and we would get six months of continuous uh, adventures of. uh, you know, all uh, Buck Rogers and L- Little Orphan Annie and um, Roy Crane's wash tubs, all of which we loved. But the the effect that it had on, on us was uh, twofold. One was uh, it 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 gave us a tenuous connection to America, which we loved because you know we grew up there for the in my case, the first six years of my life and in Savannah, Georgia. And I, I really was a Savannah kid, you know. I ran around and played in the streets and all of that.
1: So you might still be running for president, Al. You were you were born here, so.
3: Yes, I was born so in. So your
1: presidential campaign might be kicking off now?
3: <clears throat> oh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but uh, in uh, any case, okay. the it, it was not only a connection to America, the funnies, um But it was uh, English literature. I mean, uh, my brother Harry and I literally learned how to read and write by just this strong desire to know what's going on in these adventures and funny comic uh, strips. And then we copied them. And uh, I guess it added to our proficiency in, in drawing to some degree. But uh, it uh, it it did have a very strong influence, and uh, it, we would just lie on the floor reading these things from morning till night. So I, you know, I love I, I love my life in comic books.
1: I believe there's a book called Al Jaffe's Mad Life by Mary Lou Watson
3: that has over seventy so, many many the- new
1: illustrations by Al Jaffe That's <laughs> available. Uh, yep. Tell That's you all about correct. Al's life. That's crazy. Isn't it out from North Harper North. Collins, Danny? I I think it might be. <laughs> it's, it's in stores now. And I believe there
0: was a quite successful um, you know exhibit at the Museum
1: of Comic and Cartoon Art. Thing. I think but, it was uh, curated uh, by uh, by Eric uh, Kaplan <laughs> and, uh, and Danny Fingeroth. Oh
3: you yeah. Yeah. Be because, I think you're because,
1: right about that. Because it had nothing to do with Al's work. It was all about the masterful curation.
3: Yes, yes. Right.
1: It, it, yes, that that's it. It was uh,
3: It pulled people out of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I mean they they all came downtown.
1: I am I, 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 um, my my proudest moment of that because you know, basically you pick any piece of Al's art and you put it on the wall, you have an exhibit, but I was proud that I yeah. came up I that I was proud that I came up with the title, Is this the Al Jaffe Art Exhibit? You know, that was <laughs> You know, poss- possibly the most and maybe only creative thing I contributed to the to the exhibit. So, so you, now, now,
0: uh, now, now what? Tell me,
2: uh, tell me your first memories of Al's work. Oh
0: uh, well, gosh. Um, I actually remember because, because you know i I've, I've been writing for Mad for about a dozen years, and it was before I tell you that uh, I'll, I'll tell you the. <laughs> Oh, no. Before before I did my first experience with Al's work, it was just weird because when I first started writing for Mad, I was also writing for a lot of other magazines, and I was doing all these celebrity interviews with, like, pop groups like Sync, and I really wasn't phased at all by them. I, I learned to be very, very, like, matter-of-fact about the fact that I was talking to all these celebrities, but then I remember going to my first Mad Christmas party or holiday party or whatever you want to call it at the Society of Illustrators, and was really starstruck by meeting Al for the first time, uh, and it was just it was just weird that I didn't none of these like Hollywood you know celebrities had that same effect. And uh, I remember reading his stuff when I was like ten years, I think I was like ten, eight or ten years old. And I went to a friend's house, and he had that um, Al will remember the exact title of this, but it was
3: if children's toys were designed by children. Is that the title? Yeah, Al yeah well, it's not not exactly it's, it, it's if if children designed their own toys, I think thank I you. Know.
0: Oh, of course, that's a funnier title. so there you go.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and uh, yeah, if children design their own toys. And it was if you haven't seen this David, um, it's, uh, it's he didn't you know do it with pen and ink illustrations. he did it. He actually built the toys. Um, so he built models, scale models of the toys. And it's as though like a five-year-old or a six-year-old um, built it, you know, and it looks all rickety and terrible, and and it's hilarious. And he actually, like, sculpted these things and put them together. And I just found, like, the level of craftsmanship and, and you know, and, and also how funny it was. I was so blown away by all that and how
3: inventive it was and
0: just the fact that I hadn't seen anything like it elsewhere.
3: That was such fun. I uh, I, I enjoyed that enormously because i had a, a little uh, workshop in my house and a a tool called uh a, you know five tools in one a shopsmith and uh you know making the airplane and the, and the and a little kids wagon and uh, a, a rocket ship uh just making the toys i first made the toys uh and then we photographed it and then I made the childlike sketch of it, so he sort of worked backwards. But um, in the article, it's presented as if you know the kid made the drawing and then he built the toy. Uh-huh. It came off. It came off pretty good.
2: Do you, do you yeah. remember uh, a particularly funny toy from that, Al?
3: A funny toy?
2: Yeah, from that. Uh, okay. Uh,
3: my favorite was the the airplane, because when a child draws an airplane, he starts with a fuselage. So there you have the fuselage with the little windows and little drawings of stick figures of people in the windows. Now, since he has no concept of what perspective <laughs> is, he puts a <laughs> wing on the roof and a wing on the belly. You know, so you've got a Yep. This a side view of the fuselage and then a wing going up into the sky and another one pointing down to Earth, and every kid draws like that. Right. You know, yeah. like they draw an airplane, and uh, so I I I built that airplane, and uh, it, it looked per- pretty good. I well, gave it, most of these things away. You know, Al.
1: You know, the whole med consciousness and Al's specific contributions to it were just. So empowering for for a kid, you know the the idea that not only was there a snappy answer to a stupid question, but there were what, four, three or four tra- snappy answers to each stupid question. You know all the things, all the things that you wish you would have said to the stupid thing. You know that 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 you didn't have the answer for. Al, you know Al created the fantasy that you that you could be that glib and that funny and that rude and not get punched in the teeth. You know. Um, you know, of course, the classic being, uh, you know, somebody in a basement running to the elevator and going, just going up, and of course, you know, and uh, hilarity ensues uh, f- uh, from there. And the fold-in, what, is, what an ingenious uh, thing to, I mean, if you've ever seen Al either in person or on or uh, on video putting one of those things together, it's a you know, it's a each. It's a massive engineering feat, you know, just to to make uh, to make any those, those gags work and the words work together. So you know, so I, I think that was sort of what I was. The question I had sort of um, punted over to Al before when Al when you disappeared from the phone call, and I was I was left going back to you, Al, and there was nobody there. Was um, um, was basically I'd love to sort of hear how. You know, your feelings about how Mad Magazine made the world safe for Jewish humor, really, if you think uh, it did. <laughs> uh, it,
3: maybe I can answer that. I don't know. But um, there was a, a time lapse between when I was cut off. I tried. I dialed maybe five or ten times to try and get back on. And each time they said, your PIN number is already in use. <laughs> So I think until that was closed down, I, I was able to get back on. But perseverance—that's that's what cartoonists are all about. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I appreciate all the nice things you guys are saying, but uh, you Well, know, while you were off the air, we said the mean things. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You you missed uh, that. I, uh, you know, as, as I've as I've said before, I'm. I consider myself a journeyman uh, cartoonist. You know, whatever uh, needs to be done, I'm willing to give it a shot. And uh, then when an opportunity arrives, uh, like the one at MAD, where they were voraciously devouring material much faster than it was coming in, the script from the scripts, uh, so there was an opportunity for me to become a scriptwriter, And for the first uh, year and a half or so with Mad, um, that's all I did. I wrote scripts that other people illustrated. And then I was fortunate enough to be uh, somebody decided that maybe I should do my own stuff. And so, you know, it's just one little step at a time. And, but, but the thing is that Mad... Was open to new things. I mean, it, 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 in a lot of publications, like say uh, the Saturday Post or the New Yorker, if you came, if I came into the New Yorker with a fold in, uh, I'd be shown the door faster than you can imagine, because you know they don't do that. But <coughs> at Mad, uh, if you came in with a new idea, whatever it was and it had some kind of uh, validity, they went for it. And that was a lucky break for me. And uh, and I also think it's remarkable when I first became freelance, uh, you know, some 60 years, more 65 years ago, I, I, I didn't think I could make a living being freelance, but I wound up 58 years with MAD. So... Uh, and still there, right? And yeah, still there. It was a little yeah. break, you right. know. Uh, it, but it's very unusual for for people in our business to uh, remain with us.
1: We keep respect. asking Al to retire, you know. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. No, Did everybody break a break already. But he oh, oh, and
0: I, I should you Al, you had a Jewish-themed piece in, like, the latest issue of Mad, didn't
3: you? Yes, it's, uh, what if Batman were Jewish? Yeah. It's pretty funny. I did. I didn't write the list of things on the Torah scroll. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't give credit to the writer, which I, I would do right now if I knew his name. <laughs> but uh, I, they, they decided that I should do this because um, putting in all the funny little shtick, which uh, uh, Will Elder might have done, and uh, and. An, Willie and I used to do this kind of stuff all the time when we were kids. So they said, "Okay, here it is. You 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 put in all the funny stuff." So, well, there was a name
1: for that funny stuff, wasn't there?
3: For all the stuff
1: in the background.
3: The chicken fat. Yeah. Yeah. Willie called it chicken fat, and I, you know, uh, I have for example in in the distance serving no purpose whatsoever. International House of Potato Pancake. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, of course, there's an airplane flying by, it's all out, And the uh, Batman has this belt of accessories And they're all jars, except for the middle one, which is a seltzer bottle <laughs> And the the little jars contain locks, matzo balls, filter fish, and all of that so that, that's why they wanted me to do this. Well, that's,
1: that's in the tradition of uh, Bat Boy and Reuben. That was the uh, yeah. original mad parody of uh of Yeah, Batman. Bat
3: Boy and Reuben by Harvey Kurtzman was right. wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, it. but I think the thing I'm proudest of is I, you know what my, I think I'm hogging this whole show and I'm beginning to feel embarrassed.
1: You know, Al, your name is in the in the title he, of the
3: episode. It's like Al
1: Jaffe and
3: uh, and two other guys. So. Well, um, yeah, yeah. The the the
0: living legend and, and the other two, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Fifty yeah.
1: years. And I'll, and, and, and as always, I'm happy. I, we are happy to uh, bathe in your reflected glow and exploit exploit your fame and accomplishments for our
3: own uses. No, no. Exactly. No. I'm 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 going to just say one thing. <laughs> how, I, how I signed this, if Batman was Jewish, I've got my caricature. And my character usually has Al Jaffe in the hair. hair. In this case, it's Hebrew letters, Al Yosef. So, That's a beautiful Al. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it does it does, it does translate? Now, even though
2: even yeah. though you're tired of talking, I wanted to ask because the the folding is such a remarkable feat of of engineering. It's like you created you know your own artistic genre. I want to know if if it ever was just so difficult that you regretted inventing it because it created such a special challenge for you?
3: At the beginning, yes, because, uh, uh, you know, obviously, when when you create something new, I mean, when Felting, I sold it as a one-shot, and maybe a, a couple of months later, I, I think it's more than, oh, we were only doing eight issues a year, right? So it must have been about, Five or six weeks later, he came and said, I want you to do another fold-in. I said, Al, no, it was a one-shot gag. I don't have another fold-in. I have no idea how to do another fold-in. And he said, do another fold-in. Come on. Okay. So it, fortunately, there was uh, uh, the, uh, a battle between two conservative Republicans um, and um, uh, it was uh, – well, one was conservative and one was more progressive, Rockefeller and um, – what was the guy Goldwater? Goldwater, Rockefeller and Goldwater. And it, it, the question was, you know, these, these, this is the, in the simple days of the beginning. The question was, which Republican really wants to be president? And you look at the two of them and all that? then you fold it and Richard Nixon's head appears. I'll hold it up to the radio so everybody can see, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> there it is. Okay. But uh I I I felt so good about uh being able to, you know, conquer the, the the second one that when he said, you know, do another one, I I you know, I wasn't that nervous at that point, but now they're very, they're still di- they're difficult, but uh, you know the the guy who invented the crossword puzzle must have felt that he could never do an, a second one. And uh, uh, but now it's 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 really become not routine, but a lot of the uh, you know the, a lot of the little brain cells that have to line up and get into the m- mood for this kind of thing start to do it almost automatically so I, I i i don't find that it's a great big challenge anymore it's just something i have to do
2: right. Ari and danny can you tell me a little bit about what you'll be talking about at the um the people of the comic book retreat
1: uh well we had mentioned this is danny um we had mentioned will will eisner was uh, a key figure in the uh, what's called the golden age of comics um, mm. of, the, of the 30s and 40s up to the 50s with a character called The Spirit, which kind of turned the superhero uh, genre on its head, and he used it really for all sorts of satirical and uh, humorous and deadly serious stories also. He did amazing stuff. Then he uh, Eisner um, left uh, comics to go into the educational field for about 25 years, and then in uh, the late 1970s, completely reinvented himself and the medium of comics with something called a Contract with God, which is often referred to as the first graphic novel, and then spent the next 30 years refining that and telling the story of basically, you know, most most of his work suddenly went from action-adventure to he became what I think of as like the Bernard Malamud or the Sol Bellow of the comics, just telling these oh, telling the story of the uh, of uh, Jew- of Jewish American life, you know, in the in the second half of the uh, of the 20th century, and it's you know continued working till literally less than a month before he died. So uh, you know, just amazingly prolific, amazing. You know, there's there's uh, the Eisner Awards. He was a great teacher. He wrote textbooks. He, you know. So I'm going to give a PowerPoint uh, a guided talk of of his uh, life and work.
3: He was a malamud. You think? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was
0: I calling like the Barry Levinson of, of comics, but I, that shows that I, I don't read as much as I should. <laughs> but. Um,
1: and I agree, what are you to I'm going to be doing a panel, and you and me are going to be on a panel together with Simcha Weinstein. Yes, we are. Um,
0: I'm going to be doing a lecture uh, that's very similar to, to to my book from Crack Out of Krypton. Did I mention the name of the book enough? I don't. I don't know if I did. Uh, I'm going to do a okay, uh, lecture, which is also called From Crack Out of Krypton. It's about uh, sort of the history of Jews in the comics industry, um, and it, it, it encompasses all all genres, all eras, and it did. Basically, talks about, you know, as, as Danny said earlier, it's not just about the superheroes, which is really important to remember. And talk about everything from the creation of Superman and are there, are there any Jewish signifiers in, in the Superman story? Is there anything subtextually Jewish about Superman? I'm going to talk about everything from that and uh, from Superman, Captain America, um, and the various World War II era heroes. On down to Mad Magazine and Dr. Frederick Wortham's anti-comic book crusade. On down to uh, the uh, the underground comics movement of the 60s and early 70s, and folks like Art Spiegelman Harvey Picard, and Harvey Pekar in the development of the graphic novel in the late 70s and early 80s with Spiegelman and Will Eisner and, and people like that. And um, and uh, down to the, the 90s and, and the present day, and and some of the more recent uh, characters and and properties and graphic novels that you're seeing today, and also the, the recent spate of comic book movies.
2: Great, great. Al, I do have a question from a, uh, a listener from Joel from uh, Philadelphia who wanted to know, uh, who is Alfred E. Newman? Uh, was that based on a, on a real person? Do you have any idea? Is there a real Alfred E. Newman, and why was he created?
3: Well, do uh, you guys have any uh well
1: the the Al- e. newman is a is a kind of an image is imagery of of uh, of a uh, of a of a person i think lacking in uh in thi- uh, 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 lacking some sort of thyroid hormone that goes back you know at least a hundred years before mad magazine right. and and i think kurtzman I'm not sure it was custom. Probably if somebody picked it up to use well, once or twice. And but the name Alfred e. Newman, I think, was used in other cases before
3: it was identified with that particular character. That's I I can fill in on this a little bit. Oh, well, well, were you there or something? All oh, right, you were there. Yeah, I, he was my son. <laughs> uh, no, the, it was a, a apparently a a, a photograph. Of a um, mentally challenged boy of some sort, and uh, some uh, dentist in the Midwest uh, liked the picture because the the tooth was missing, <laughs> and he used this uh, as as a advertisement uh, and as a painless dentist, and said, "What me worry because the kid is smiling broadly and he's has no, uh, you know, that tooth is missing. Did what
1: me worry come along with the image the first time?
3: Uh, my understanding is that it did, but wow. possible, oh, really? It's possible that Harvey may have made it up. Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly what, how the dentist used it, but they, but essentially, it was the photograph was supposed to show you that you can get your tooth pulled and you can smile and it doesn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> Oh, it was uh, was signed painless dentist, whatever his name was, and uh, now Harvey ran across this thing when he was doing Mad Comics, the comic book, and he he did a takeoff back page of uh, although that uh, I think it was a company called Johnson something or other that used to sell poopy cushions, whoopy cushions.
1: The, um, the Johnson Smith Company was it?
3: Johnson Smith Company, and he stuck this head in uh, as you know as one of the items in, in, in this collection of stuff that Johnson Smith was was advertising, and it was it was just part of the gag, uh, never to be used again, and then the decision, I think it was uh, Feldstein who decided that Mad needed a a uh, mascot. And uh, I think, well, Feldstein actually hired an illustrator uh, to uh, flesh out this simple black and white old photograph. And uh, and oh, Harvey, Harvey did uh, give him the name, uh, which he saw in a movie the musical hmm. director of many 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 movies. The
1: whole family, they ran I think Randy Newman's uncle actually, you
3: know. Yeah. Alfred e. Newman. New- yeah, I think Alfred, something like that, yeah. And so he said, "Alfred Newman. All right, we'll call him Alfred D. Newman," you
1: know. <laughs> Did anybody ever hear from Alfred e. Newman, from Alfred Newman about uh, how he felt?
3: <laughs> I don't know, you know, because I'm I'm not a staff member, so uh I'm freelance and I they, they don't uh, tell us what
2: do you okay. impla- plausible
3: deniability? So,
2: so, so one one last question is we're we're uh, coming to the end of our hour. So this will be a a fairly quick answer question from the three of you. Uh, mm-hmm. Who's the most Jewish superhero and why?
3: The most the
1: most Jewish. Well, I believe that would be Alan Urich's Jewish Hero Corps. Who uh, who feature a dreidel Nadel and a matzah man? So I think I think that would probably be the most Jewish uh, group of superheroes.
0: I, hmm. I'd, I'd almost say i say some of the, the Jewish X Men have have struck me as as the most Jewish uh, superheroes out there, just because I identify them so strongly with with uh, with with being Jewish, and there have been a lot of stories that have come about where the Jewish identity has come into play. So characters like Magneto and Kitty Pride. Um definitely so even though Magneto wasn't originally designed as as being Jewish, I don't know if his ethnicity or religion was initially a fa- you know, ever brought up in the in the Lee and Kirby stories, but then later when Chris Claremont started writing it, you know, and he came up with a new backstory. Uh for the character, he was he was obviously supposed to be Jewish. Um the Kitty Pride definitely was, was uh I Danny you can you can Tell me whether I'm right about this, but she was designed as being Jewish from
3: day one, right? Yeah, that was the, that was the point.
2: How about you, Al? Do yeah. you have a favorite Jewish superhero? Uh,
3: well, Super Rabbit was. was uh, Super
1: Rabbit Jewish, Al?
3: Yes, he was Jewish. I <laughs> uh, I I used to write uh, from a number of years. I wrote the Super Rabbit stories, and I couldn't make Ziggy Pig a Jewish character, so I decided that Super Rabbit could be Jewish
2: great right. right. uh, well we're, we're coming to the end of our I call important. them
3: super Rabbi <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's good
2: I want to uh, I want to thank our three panelists, uh, Ari Kaplan, Danny Fingeroff, and of course Al Jaffe. Uh, remind everyone that people of the comic book is at Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center August 10th to 12th Danny and Ari will both be with us on those dates uh, and you can register for the conference by visiting. Uh, IsabellaFriedman.org, that's uh, IsabellaFriedman with two E's.org, or calling 800-398-2630. Uh, we want to thank uh, our partners at jcasnetwork.org, uh, who will be making this podcast available on the Internet. And once again, I want to thank our panelists, Danny um, Ari and Al, thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. It was a real pleasure to spend an hour talking to you today.
3: Thank you. Thank you, David. Thanks, thanks for
2: having us. Take care, everyone. And, and uh, Danny and Ari, I look forward to seeing you uh, here in a couple weeks. Now, thanks so much. Take care, everybody.
1: Okay, bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.